have reviewed the podcast and have not yet received a song. May this song hold you over until your day comes along. Well right. done, Dico. Um, so, Caleb, Caleb Porzio, Caleb Porzio. We got to do the opener. Welcome. Welcome to No Plans to Merge. This is the the only podcast where two developers talk about code and other things for greater than 20 minutes. <laughs> it's literally I'm... the only one. There I've I've looked through the iTunes store, I've looked through Spotify, I've looked through all of them. There are it Took no a long others. time. And we're the only one. I'm Caleb Porzio and I'm Daniel this Colburn. Is Daniel Colburn. <laughs> oh, and that's yeah. our intro. That is the intro. Cue the music. Cole. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, what's uh, up, man? What's up? What is up? Um, not much. Yeah, not much here. Well, I'm working on LiveWire again. I took a week off. You took a week off? Yeah, I was working How on was your a week? meetup talk. Um, ah. Yeah, so I kind of I was working on other stuff, which is pretty cool, and I'd love to talk about that sometime. Uh-huh. Um, I think it's going to be like my my talk for a couple conferences this year. Nice. Yeah. You, do you have a topic? Yeah. Oh, you a topic to for today's it. show? No, for your or talk. for the talk. Yeah, R- write less JS. I mean, that's sort of been my thing for the past two years. But I, I want it to be, I want it to be hashtag level saying like write less JS, like a movement. Mm. I have a, a blog post queued in my brain to write that's like the write less JS movement, and just all these tools like Live View, LiveWire, Intercooler. Um, I don't know all of them. Turbo links, stimulus, yeah, all the things that um encourage you to write less JavaScript. Yeah, so I've been going down that road um a little further, and for the general development community, because like the meetup I spoke at is a full stack meetup. It's not like PHP or Laravel. Um, so I I didn't do LiveWire stuff at all. I just demoed uh you know just walked through other techniques, just the techniques you know. I would never I would never saddle you in a race against the audience, Caleb. I think that would be it would be unkind of me to do something like that to to put you in a position where you felt like you were in competition with our audience. Um but in this instance, I'm going to go go ahead and let both you and the audience know that writelessjs.com is available. Ooh. <laughs> so, nice. So I'll I'll not try to purchase it until I have until we push the episode. the episode live. Yeah, until what, like four minutes after four we minutes the after we push the episode live, and then you and uh, you and all the audience can race for ownership of that domain. Perfect. Ah, uh, um, yeah. So that that's mm. what's uh, been up with me, and I think I might have mentioned this, but GitHub GitHub has been I've been like sourcing all my content from github basically like source diving github Mm -hmm. um or just like looking at github's dev tools and seeing how they do stuff Mm -hmm. and they don't write a lot of javascript to my knowledge at least at least they utilize a ton of techniques that um you know like fetching html from the server and swapping it on the page they use pjax so Mm -hmm. every time you switch a tab it's a pjax load it's not any so like those little modals that drop down like yeah where it's like start a review it looks like you added a comment are you trying to write a review yeah yeah they're uh, all they're all different 
Um, but some like an issues tab when you can filter issues and all uh-huh. those little drop downs. When you hover over those, um, GitHub fetches the markup for them in over Ajax, and then when you click, it's ready to go, and it just toggles that that markup. Gotcha. But the, but there is some level of JavaScript because like you the searching is live, mm-hmm. and sometimes there's straight up like if you star a repository, that's a straight up like Ajax request with JSON. Mm-hmm. So it's a total mixed bag, um, but I found some pretty cool things. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's good times. Um, yeah, there's a uh, those filtering mechanics, man. That's one of these things I've been doing a lot of that at, at work, work recently. Okay. Uh, we t- we talked in our hooks episode. We talked a lot about the filters, modal, just displaying and hiding it. Mm-hmm. Um, and those filter now the contents of that of that modal that I've now successfully hidden and shown. Mm-hmm. There's a lot there. We'll talk about it later. Um, but you wrote a big blog post. I want to talk about your blog post. A small blog post. Small blog post, but it felt big as a personal achievement. Interesting. You know what I'm saying? Um, like, it felt like... So, listen, you're not... Since you've gone on sabbatical, I've noticed the things that Caleb Porzio does in what I think of as the Daniel hours um, <laughs> have increased, right? I'm I'm up. I'm looking at Twitter at 1230 in the morning. Yeah. That's not normally the Caleb hours, but it's exciting to see, like, Caleb Porzio posted a blog post two minutes ago at 1 a.m., <laughs> you know? I'm like, ah, very good. Yeah. Um, I have, I, I ebb and flow. It, yeah. It's like, uh, you know, going to bed early is... I mean, you, you know, of all people, like it's hard, but mm. it's rewarding in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's what you make you feel real good about yourself. In the morning so, you do, yeah. In the morning you do, yeah. Just not right now. <laughs> yeah. So I struggle with that on like maybe one tenth of your, of your struggle with that. But just like, I just don't want to go to bed. Like, oh, I just have to lay there in mm-hmm. silence mm-hmm. until I drift off. That sounds like torture. Mm-hmm. When I do it, it's usually fairly okay. And I think that's where you and I differ um yeah. yeah but anyway i was i saw it and i was like i just imagined you sort of like hannah's gone to bed you know <laughs> you've got what what's your like preferred beverage you like an uh, iced tea guy no i drink i drink Lacroix. uh you it's not actually Lacroix, Lacroix but yeah uh, like off-brand Lacroix. off-brand Lacroix. yeah, <laughs> yeah. so you've got an off-brand Lacroix. You've got your 2015 MacBook Pro with the chiclet keys, um, and uh, it's late, and the the house is quiet. And you've got like a single reading lamp, and mm. you're just like, on leaving jobs. <laughs> yeah, I, that's funny. It's it's not too too far from that. I we got home late at like midnight or something. Yeah. Um, I might have wrote the post at like 4 a.m. I don't know. I don't remember. But I think um, it came out at like one. One. Okay. So I was at, uh, we got home and it was like midnight and we were walking in and we live next to a restaurant. And so the little like alley where all the smokers smoke, um, mm-hmm. we hang out with them. Like we get to know them because they're, you know, go they're there. smoking there and they're there and we always see them. We say, Hey, so we've sort of established this bond with like the head chef at this. It's like a fancy restaurant. It's really cool. We never sure. eat there because it's a fancy, super expensive restaurant. Um, but he's like, hey, you guys are out late. You want to, can I get you a drink or something like that? He's like, come in and I'll, I'll get you a drink. And and we both were like, yeah, it's a good neighborly thing to, 
yeah. you know, Stop accept by. the gift. So we did. And we just hung out with, it was like after hours. So all the restaurant, you know, staff and owners and everything, they're all just chilling at the bar and they make amazing cocktails. That's a great party. The it, it, the after hours restaurant bar party is one of the best parties. Th- this was my first experience. I've never been in the restaurant game at all. So you you know from experience. I do. This is how I it love goes. it. Yeah, everybody's just thing. like either like drunk, like mostly drunk, um, maybe definitely high, and and you know a mixed bag. Like I mean, that's the restaurant life. Like the cooks and everything. Mm-hmm. Like. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, part of the position. And there's this thing like, like, you know, like in software, like if you were going to do like a huge launch, uh, you know, like for like a week, you would like sort of build up to like, all right, now we're going to like launch this. We're going to deploy to production and we're going to cross our fingers and hope it goes well, you know, yeah, uh-huh, yeah. and then it goes well. And then everyone who like worked really hard to make that launch happen just is like, all right, like, let's, you know, let's go get a beer or like, yeah, let's, yeah. you know, whatever. It's yep. like that every, every night. Day. <laughs> <laughs> Where it's just like, wow, that was insane, but we survived. Like, yeah. let's go let's go congratulate ourselves. The camaraderie is just nuts. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like a family. I mean, you know, I've, mm-hmm. I've tasted it for one day. But, but yeah, the, totally. After a huge hustle, everybody's beat, and they hang out at the bar, and they drink for, I don't know if they drink for free or drink for free or cheap. Um, free or cheap. Free or cheap, yeah. And, uh yeah so so that was cool hung out with him for a while and had a couple drinks and then came upstairs and you know it's just i'm too hyped up like i was just having too much fun and i'm like this is usually when i i go on the computer and put on uh i have those phillips hue bulbs so i put on the like the night vibes um like purple so so i'm helping you paint the scene yep it's purple in the room it's Uh dark Uh uh-huh my what's that like macbook app that dims everything and makes it warm flux Flux. yeah so my whole you know monitor is totally fluxed out Mm -hmm. and i usually just open a code editor like full screen and put on some good music on my nice bassy speakers yep and it's nice and quiet yeah and then i and then i go for it um it's at a standing desk so i'm not touching chiclet keys i'm touching the ergo docs ergo docs ergo docs but anyway, so but I didn't want to do anything. Like I've been doing that a lot lately, coming to the computer and being like, I don't I don't want to do any coding. I don't wanna but I'm like, what could I do? And mm-hmm. I thought, well, I could write. And then this just kinda just flowed out. Yeah. And I was buzzed, so Yeah. Uh, I think that helped it. You yeah, know? the you had like a Negroni or two running through your Yeah, I had an old fashioned your, your brain. And a, an old fashioned very and, close. And a Miller High Life or yeah. Highlight or whatever. <laughs> You know, back in my day, we used to say, every low life needs a high life. Ooh. I, I actually never had a high life before. Uh, that was my first one. There you go. It's pretty good. Um, Yeah. That that seems like perfect writing conditions. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And so, talk about the post for those who haven't read it. Yeah. um, It's it's like a thought spew. I actually haven't read it in a long time, so I, I don't have a perfect impression of what it's like. But I think it, it was just me like wanting to write about how I feel about leaving my full-time job because I still you know think about it a lot um and the thought process that went into it I didn't want to write about right away because it I don't know well one I wanted to experience it I talked about this in the post Mm -hmm. um but yeah so it's just kind of a reflection on basically leaving jobs in general it's a reflection on employment I thought um and my relationship with employment and how I struggle with with that relationship it's funny because 
having talked to you, like having just been friends with you for a long time and had a podcast with you, um, there's a lot of things that like are either like things that like I know that you've thought intensely about over the last like year or so in there that are mm-hmm. kind of like throwaway lines. Yeah, yeah. You know, where I'm like, yeah. mm. <laughs> like yeah. I see I see you making that one sentence, but that was like six months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's um, that's very true. And but, I think you yeah. But like I thought it was good. Like I thought it encapsulated all the thoughts. I put it I think it put the emphasis in the right places. Hmm. Right? Like that's you can say the same you can hit all the same points, but if you say the right part's loud and the right part's quiet, like you I think you emphasize the things that are important and that are like going to be universal to people who are in this situation. And I think that was that was those were the things that I appreciated. Like I think the way you talked about uh there was a line that you had in there that was like, uh that's why it's a job. If it wasn't it would be a partnership. Yeah. Um which I think is just I mean, you know me. I think that's, that's just the human condition, right? Is that like we're all just wishing we were in a partnership but we're stuck in a job. Yeah. Um just all people everywhere from, you know, the the chef at the restaurant to you know the cto of facebook you know whatever like i think everyone wishes that they felt that their labor was more sort of like evenly distributed yeah but yeah so that felt real important to me i liked your uncertainty in the end right that Mm. like you didn't feel like you had to like paint this picture of like like it's easy when you make a big decision to feel a lot of pressure to like retcon it into of being into like that was a great decision i made yeah right yeah um but it felt like you had like a very like self-aware like who knows if this was a good decision and we're gonna find out yeah um and but yeah, it was the decision I made, and it felt right at the time, and I'm doing it. Nice. Yeah, that yeah, was a good post. That's uh, that's funny. You, I mean, you've been like you know super close to me for that whole Titan journey, you know. Mm-hmm. So like, uh, I think it's it's funny to hear you say that 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 if I if I read it through your eyes, I would think the same thing that those like these. Oh yeah, he's just like throwing this out there in half a sentence. Yeah, yeah. But but you know, but this was right and other things. And and I think the the thing that um the thing that I liked about it in hindsight was that I I wrote it effortlessly. Yeah, so I it I just didn't flew none up. of it yeah, none of it was You didn't like calculate what should I didn't be loud, calculate what, what to emphasize and what yeah. to not emphasize. And I was pretty happy after like like that the emphases were placed right, like in a mm-hmm. balanced way. And it you was sort the of right a reflection on, on the myself. Right exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So just like self-reflecting after that, I was like, oh, that's really cool that where I'm at right now is a balanced place. Yeah. That uh, balanced enough that I could write this blog post without having to like, you know, edit the crap out of it. And um, yeah. yeah. And, and that whole uh, like that whole chunk in there about um, partnership like that, that heavily influenced from you heavily. Like, I, that, I don't know. This is that, my goal. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that that was one of the things that changed 
me like when you and I feel like I I'm sure I mean I'm sure I've thought and heard and felt it before but the way that you verbalized it so simply and obviously that like hey they make more money on you than you take home like there's no you know that's just part of a job right and that's just part of the job that's nothing yeah yeah so when when companies you know do things to make you feel like like you're indebted to them or they do things it's it's interesting because okay so like titan for instance they do something um no we'll not say titan let's say spotsy um to pick a pick a company uh yahoo you work for Mm -hmm. yahoo Mm -hmm. yahoo implements some really nice benefit program sure and they tell other employees like hey we you know we're giving you uh this fun we're giving you a food truck stipend (laughs) right it's a thousand dollars a week Mm -hmm. and and everybody is so excited Mm -hmm. um and they reference it and they write blog posts about it and mm-hmm. everybody goes, Yahoo's the best. Like everybody mm-hmm. who works there gets these food truck stipends. There's this one part of me that says the the usual part of me goes, Oh damn, that's so cool. Like that company's the best. Like Basecamp. Yep. They just send their employees on th- these lavish vacations every year. Mm-hmm. Um like that like, oh that company's the best. Like that's awesome. And internally, I'm sure all the employees are grateful. Um there's the other way of looking at it, like, okay, well well let's say Yahoo does something bad. Um right. like they Right, like they they use it as collateral in some way. Like we do this for you, or so. I don't. I can't verbalize this well, but uh, well, I think that like the unlimited vacation trap is like a good example, right? Like on first viewing, you're like, oh, like unlimited vacations. Like people can just take vacations. Like it promotes like you taking a vacation whenever you need one. We're not going to worry about counting hours, blah, blah blah blah. But it quickly becomes this weird thing where like there's a lot of pressure to not do it and it can be used as a way to determine that people are more or less valuable to the company. Definitely. I mean, that, that I think is, uh, separate because, because it's, it's, it's just always bad. Like it's, it's separate because built into it is it it puts it in the employee's Mm -hmm. hands Mm -hmm. of how much to use it. And then they're taking on the pressure of you know and so i i've worked with um unlimited vacation i think you have too and i have it, not you have not okay um and i it's the same thing everybody says like you don't take unnecessary vacation you just don't like you mm-hmm. you feel that feels crazy um but so let, let's say like an actual benefit that is actually just beneficial like if they gave you like a month's vacation or two months vacation, you know, that would mm-hmm. be a tangible objective benefit to the employee. At the end of the day, they're not losing money on you, you know, like they're making money on you. Like it's not a charity, right. you know? So there's that that balance of it's great when companies do good things for employees. That's really good. Mm-hmm. I think the danger is when the conception is that the company is somehow, somehow, um, like uh benevolent you know what i'm trying to say like like the company is beyond making money off you and into helping you in a humanitarian way right and i think there are companies that value those things right and the goal of those companies is often we want to make a profit and do right by our employees right um but there are very few companies I've ever heard of 
um, where they'll decide to do right by their employees in a specific way, lose money on it, and figure out how they're going to make that money up later. Right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But like, yeah. I think mm-hmm. the point that you're trying to get at, and this is, I think, the the thing that matters to me about it, is that no matter what they give you in any job, in any sort of for-profit workplace, no matter what your employer gives you, it's because they can afford to give you that and still be right. making a profit on you. Right. Yeah. Right. And that's um, definitely yeah. So the underlying thing there is, if you were able to generate as much revenue by yourself as you do within this company, you would be able to give yourself all of those things and then some. Yeah. Right? Because that and then some is paying for a lot of people. Yeah, exactly. Right? right. Um, and I think, you know, like in a certain sort of political side of the world, like there's a huge move towards... Uh, either collective uh structures of organizations where all of the employees are the owners so employee owned businesses um where there is no profit to make for anyone except for the workers yeah um which is a nice thing because you get the benefits of having coworkers and having people specialize in things right like like i don't if you work just for yourself, a lot of times you have to be a generalist. You have to do sales. You have to do billing. You have to do programming. Um, but at a company, you have the benefit of having, like, this person's a project manager. This person's a salesperson. Like, um, and so in collectives, you have the benefits of, like, building uh, an organization uh, where people are allowed to specialize. And sometimes that can increase the amount of net revenue that you generate the fact that you're able to specialize um, while not having anyone who's sort of getting paid off of everyone else's labor. Yeah. Or, or transparent. Like what I think the thing that I'm craving now, if I were to get back in the game, if I were to make a company Mm -hmm. or if I were to join a company, the thing that I am after um, at least I think is transparency. Like I'm okay with you making money off me. That's all okay. I mean, it, it's okay either way, mm-hmm. but I, I would love to like run a company where, where everyone knows everything, you know, yeah. where you know how much money I'm making. And I'm very direct that mm-hmm. I'm making money off you because I put this thing together. Mm-hmm. You can go somewhere else and freelance and make your own money, mm-hmm. but I'm making money off you. Here's how much I'm making off of you. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll, you can argue with me. You can like, you can try to get more money from me, mm-hmm. but I'm trying to get a good deal and you're trying to get, th- that was another, well, one of these, um, th- this was uh, a, a wise man at Titan once told me, you're trying to get a deal off me and I'm trying to get a deal or like you're, <laughs> you're looking for a deal and I'm looking for a deal, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like it goes both ways. Yeah. The employer is looking for a deal and the employee He's looking for a deal. They're both looking to maximize their profit. You know? Right. Well, and I think I think there's like uh there's a pool of money, right? Like assuming that no one in the assuming that there's like a baseline amount of money that's like this is what everyone needs to survive, right? Um, and that it's the same for the employer and the employee. Let's mm-hmm. just assume, right? Mm-hmm. Say whatever it was like forty thousand dollars, right? Okay. 
Mm -hmm. Um, It's like, this is like, you can pay rent in a small apartment and put food on the table and stuff like that. Um, Then there's this other money above the baseline of like survivability, right? Yeah, yeah. And employment, in a large sense, is two people making a case for who deserves more of that money. Right, and it's like, mm-hmm. well, there's this big pile of money. Uh, it was generated by both of our effort. Um, often, the employer's effort uh, was largely front-loaded and sort of like past effort, but they didn't get paid very well back then, and so now they have a right to sort of recoup some money for the effort that they put in in the past. Yeah, and the employer or the employee often is like putting in direct effort to generate these direct dollars. Yeah. Um, and there's a negotiation. It's like, who deserves this stack of cash? Yeah. Uh, do I deserve the stack of cash? And then I, I pay you like a small portion for having set up the infrastructure a long time ago. Or do you deserve the stack of cash for building the infrastructure? And you give me a small portion for, you know, helping you to realize the potential of the infrastructure you built. Um, yeah. And that's the question. Uh, And I think to your point about transparency, the only way to have a fair and equitable decision be made about that is to know how big the stack of cash is. Sure. And who's getting what, right? Yep. Um, And this is why I've always been in favor of uh, percentage-based sort of profit sharing, right? I think employers tend to favor flat dollar amounts where they say, we're going to you know, give you this dollar amount. Um, in I'm much more interested in saying like, uh, we're going to give you this percentage of the profit from every hour you work. Like, you I think that would be a much yeah. better system because then as, you know, profit goes up, profit goes down, you know, like you set a baseline of like, I need this to survive. Yeah. Um, and then from the leftover money up top, I feel that I deserve 30% and you deserve 60%. Yeah. Right. Or something like that. Mm-hmm. And in that case, I think a lot of people get, a lot of employees end up getting paid a lot better. Hmm. Yeah. I could definitely see that for sure. Yep. Sorry. I just went on a rant. <laughs> Great rant. Great rant. I like this is this, this stuff is, it, it gets in my blood. Daniel's uh corner of, um, I don't know the word. I don't want to say Marxism, but just just <laughs> Daniel on it. This has been Daniel on uh, working and employment and wages. Wages. And there's more to come. More where that Would came you like from. to take a jump through the wage window with me? We, we, we need a theme for the wage <laughs> the wage corner. Yeah, so... Uh, oh, an- another thing that I thought, as I was writing it, it's sort of, uh, this is something I hadn't thought about a lot until I started writing it, and I realized that I felt this way, um, that employment, the uh, the sort of weird dynamic of employment where you're always sort of, you're always being evaluated, and the psychological toll that that right. has, you know, like mm-hmm. there's this position of power, the employer is in this power position and they evaluate you, you know, like it seems, uh, uh, at least, at least as I'm thinking right now, 
it seems to me so taxing on the employee. Like in hindsight, I'm thinking back and I'm looking at my life now. And, you know, I, I haven't in burden, I, I haven't taken on the, the, all, the other taxes of actually like doing client work. So I'm a bad example for a, a full balanced picture of all this. But I'll just say right now, looking back, it's such a toll. Um, granted, I'm generally more of the striving intense type. And there's people who can roll with uh, people who aren't as affected by somebody evaluating them as I am. Um, but in general, it's so taxing that there you, you have six month reviews, you have check ins, you have you have evaluations, you have general just this general thing in the air that's like if you screw up, the hammer's coming down. Like there'll be a private message. Or sent even to if you. it's not coming down, it could come down. It could come down, and that cloud is over everyone all the time. You know. And then somebody mm-hmm. gets reprimanded publicly or privately, and then it impacts the culture. Um, that's the, that. It's a hard thing because I don't see a clear alternative. Um, but but I think I'm just acknowledging that to myself. That's like whoa. And when you're in that situation, you can't escape it. There's somebody playing God, and they're you know, and and you naturally. You want to rise. You want to um, you want to achieve. You want to look good. You want to perform well. You want all those things, you know. And it's, yep. it puts it puts the employee in this uh, stressful, stressful, and at times unhealthy. Even in the healthiest of companies, it's it's like an unhealthy dynamic. Call me. Uh, check me on that. What do you got? I, I think you're right. Um, I think. I mean, there is a lot of blood, sweat, and tears put into uh creating laws in this country and in particular states in this country to stop employers from just firing people willy-nilly yeah um but you know there are still a lot of at-will states um where you can just fire people for anything um and in those states people are more afraid um and there's correlations uh, to people getting lower wages in places that are at will states because they're willing to accept less uh, to not rock the boat, right? Like no one feels yeah. confident going into a negotiation about money when they could just get fired. Right. Um, yeah, definitely. And I think unions are the solution to that, um, right? The idea that to fire you, your boss has to negotiate with your union. Um allows you to be in a much sort of safer situation where uh you know your union who represents you who is made up of people that you elected to represent you um has a say in whether or not you get fired now that doesn't mean that you can just totally screw off and do nothing right because at some point uh there's going to be a negotiation for everyone's salary um you know, or different salary levels. And if a union is uh, in a bad position because of a bunch of bad apples making it appear as though people don't get any work done, uh, then that's going to affect everyone's salary negatively. So I think everyone has an incentive there. Um, but that's not something that a lot of software developers are open to. And so it's it's an interesting time in American labor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, it's funny the like... Being in software development, at least in my experience, it's like the free world, um, opposed to tr- other trades, you know, mm-hmm. where there's these deep roots. You know, my brother is in a union, mm-hmm. um, 
there's you know teachers teachers union stuff like that um yeah so so many things are i i don't have i have zero opinion on any of this i haven't thought about any of this hard enough to have even the slightest clue of what's best for an economy or a society mm-hmm. but yeah in software uh i i, I kind of like it i like the fact that it's all like i'm no not, rules um, loosey-goosey there's no rules flat, I, yeah, I just love no west. rules <laughs> yeah. always so yeah so in that yeah, sense, man. a like gold it. rush is fun till the gold runs dry <laughs> <laughs> yeah that that's another thing that in the it's a it's the gold rush so so i can in software i can confidently say you know i'm unhappy with this arrangement i'm going to leave mm-hmm. um because i can go get another job and yeah. i think i think most people feel that way would you yep. say uh, yeah, like yeah, most, I'd say most people who have more than like a year or two in software development. Yeah, probably sure, do. right, yeah, yeah. If you're like generally a good developer, have experience and all that stuff, like, yeah, 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 yeah. So that that's a whole other thing. Um, but it's a good blog post. Yeah, good blog post. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> um, cool. So so that was that. That's me. What uh, what's up with you? What is up with me? Uh, it's been a week of more React Native and more stuff. We had, we were doing some like, uh, so the deployment lifecycle is a little bit uh, different in Native world where you yeah. have to like build a binary and ship it. Um, and so, can our you very- walk me through briefly the so the deployment lifecycle in web? is you have mm-hmm. like everything let's just say you're the laravel developer with everything set up forge and whatever i merge mm-hmm. into master and i push and then i log into forge or envoyer and i hit deploy mm-hmm. and then i go and i check that the code that i wrote is there and working mm-hmm. so what you would do here what and when you say deploy are you deploying to qa or are you deploying to prod uh let's say prod okay um so our situation is we haven't deployed anything to prod yet okay um we're only deploying to staging and there's an open beta coming okay um so what we do is basically we get to the place where we want to be we merge to master um and then someone has to pull down master on their local machine and run uh expo build ios or expo build android gotcha um and they build a binary uh and then they push that binary up to let's stay on ios for now because that's all we're really doing right now um they push that binary up to app store connect using the application loader uh app that exists on your computer if you have Mm -hmm. xcode um so that pushes a binary up uh, and that represents a build. So then you can add a build to test flight, which is what we're doing right now. Um, what is test flight? Test flight is their like uh, beta program for apps. Who's so they? if you want people to be able to try the app before it's live in the app store, they use test flight to do that. Apple? Uh, yeah. Okay. So test flight is an app that you download. Yeah. And then... Uh, it allows you it's basically like um, the app store except it's 
like in the app store there's an updates tab that just shows you all of the apps that you have installed and allows you to update them mm-hmm. um it's basically that tab of the app store it shows you all of the apps that you're authorized to run in test flight okay um and then you can either download and install them if you don't have them already or update them to the latest version gotcha um cool. so we need to have test flight for a small group of core stakeholders and like a public beta of a couple hundred people. Okay. Um, and so the public beta, because it's large, has to pass through app review. Okay. So you push a build up in the manner I've just talked about, and then mm-hmm. uh, you are able to immediately assign it to your up to 25 connected users. Um, okay. And then they can just run it whether or not it passes review. Yeah. And then to send it out to the external users has to pass review, which I've had take zero minutes or two minutes. I've also had it take 48 hours. Gotcha. So okay. it's just an amount of time. Yep. Um, and so the uh, there's if we need to do something like, say, on April 15th, we're going to send out a link to all of our beta testers telling them that they can join this beta, uh, then we have to... And that's a Monday. That was this past Monday. Um, then we have to basically have Master in a shippable state on Friday, build the binary, push it up to App Store Connect, because we don't know how what percentage of the weekend it's going to take for App Store Connect to yep. pass review and all this other stuff. So it's a whole process. You basically need to, you need to know two days ahead of time Ugh. when you're going to deploy. That's a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. It's not fun. That is not fun. That's like like in the worst web development situations when mm-hmm. like everything's all like Jira enforced mm-hmm. and I forget all those regulations that forces everything to be slow and clunky and you have to take screenshots and yep. all that stuff. It's like that except every, all the time for everyone. Yes. Not just big clunky organizations. Yes. Bummer. Anyway, uh, it's it's fine. So, but what that means is that we're doing a lot of like, like we have a column in Trello that's like things to ship in the next beta. Yeah. And so, it's a different style of working. Right. Right. Like it's it very much feels like a bus. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever the feedback loop is slow enough, all those patterns emerge that. Yeah. Are just they they just get me. Yeah cut me deep that's one of those huge advantages of web development and it's good to be reminded of that of like oh, nimble yeah. nimble oh, web develop like some web development you know what's possible yep, yep. with web development yeah yep yep which is sweet cool um did you have something to talk about um yes yeah, so there, here's this is a quick little thing okay so the filters let's go back to our filters right okay so inside of uh, the filter modal that you can toggle on and off so of the button. So let's in the head. walk through this again. This is uh, extremely confusing for me, and I imagine even more for the listener. So okay. it's just kind of this like. So if we can at all, yeah, just like I'll, boil I'll it down to something, make it very simple. Yep. Yes. Um. So I've got a list of things. Call them tracking. Posts. Um. And then imagine sort of an Amazon.com style left sidebar. Yep. Full of filters 
that are going to narrow down the things yes in the list right and so it could be like manufacturer size uh whatever yeah right yep um now imagine that for each of those filters you want to have a little bubble next to them that shows the number of items that match that filter oh interesting okay right so it's like tvs right and it's like lg five yep sony 25 right so you want to know okay so there's five lg tvs and 25 sony tvs yeah um now these there's several types of filters so let's say there's a manufacturer's one and then there's a size one and then there's you know uh resolution yep say this is tvs right say each of those is in like an accordion uh so it's a component that's mounting when the accordion opens yep right when do you do the work of looping through all of the products that you have in memory and seeing whether or not they match right so doing like an array filter where uh you know tv dot manufacturer equals filter dot manufacturer or whatever you know yep there's like a filtering that needs to happen right and what it so basically the thing that you're going to have to do is for each filter we're then going to have to loop through for each tv and check whether or not it matches and if you have a long list of filters and a long list of tvs this is a ton of work yep um and it's a ton of work that is basically queued up behind an animation okay so if it takes a long time what's going to happen is you're going to click the accordion and it's not going to open and then you're going to have a bunch of thinky 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 and then once it figures out all the stuff writes it into data it's going to open and render yeah so I've come up with a couple of potential solutions and I'm going to write this refactor very soon. What do you think the right refactor is for this? So um, stop me if I if I say something that tells you I don't understand the problem totally. Sure. Um, as soon as you started saying it, I thought, okay, unless this is a really simple data set where you have all the JSON on the front end and you can do a pretty simple like array filter on some data um, in live mode, which you're saying is not the case because I'm imagining you have to paginate these things or that it's a huge data set and it's not just, just a bunch of JSON. No, it is. It's just a bunch of JSON. We have all of the, uh, we have a list of all of the TVs um, and we also have a list of all of the manufacturers. So what needs to happen is for each manufacturer, we have to loop through all of the TVs to see if they match that manufacturer. Yeah. Um, and so say we have 100 TVs and 500, 500 or 500 TVs and 100 filters. Yeah. Uh, that could, that basically works out to like 50,000 checks that have to happen in the amount of time it takes for an accordion to decide to open. So it's enough that it slows down the, the animation. Gotcha. 
Yeah, so interesting. Um, all right, option A, you mm-hmm. don't block the animation and mm-hmm. you just let the numbers... You know it would be interesting? If you didn't block the animation, but you animated the numbers like a tween from zero to whatever it ended up being, so it looked like they counted up, that would be kind of cool. This is one of my solutions. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> cool. So that, that would be cool. Um, the other options are eager loading you could you could do like you could eager load before you could eager load on hover you could start the animation or the count calculation or you could start the count calculation as soon as the page loads and just have them all ready to go so that when you drop down they're just there mm-hmm. um or you could go farther up and eager load on the server and do like cache these filter count values and send them over with like the model or with the payload um, or make it a separate endpoint. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm the embrace the backend guy, so I would probably go for something on the server, but you might have to deal with um, some cat, you know, some like cache latency or something, but what do you got? These are my two options. This is what I'm considering. Are there other options than I said? No, I'm only considering two of them. Okay. Uh, one the front is, end options? One is a front end, one is a back end. Okay. So the front end option is render. I wasn't considering like the tween of counting up from zero to 500. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was basically considering load the little chiclet bubble that I'm going to load with just a dash in it mm-hmm. until the count state yep. is set and then fill it. Yeah, cool. Um which I think is probably, it's definitely the easiest thing to do. The other thing was calculate all of these on the back end and pass them along with the payload. Yep. Um, Where is the filtering happening? When they filter by something, is it a pure JavaScript filter action? Yes. It is, okay. That impacts the, 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 the solution a little bit because... If it if you were querying for it or something or if the filtering was happening in the back end, mm-hmm. then I would say, um, you know, it would make sense that it already lives back there. Mm-hmm. You could kind of pre-filter um, stuff. But yeah, this this app, like one of the main performance characteristics of this app is to not kill the API. Right. Yeah. Like to do as much as possible on device because there's so many users like it could turn into a yeah. very ser- expensive server to run if we allowed every action to hit an API. So these filters, like in the case of Amazon, if I search, um, if I make a search query for uh, form and grill model two, whatever, mm-hmm. and then there's the sidebar of filtering. Mm-hmm. So I could still filter those numbers are the numbers that would be filtering. So if there was a filter called like, um, I don't know, uh, used, new and used, right? Mm-hmm. And there was counts next to them. Mm-hmm. I would expect that those counts mean there's, if there's 10 new, I would think there's 10 new of the query I just searched. There's 10 new form and model twos, not just mm-hmm. form and grills or not, right? Mm-hmm. Is this a similar scenario? Because in that case, it wouldn't make, like I wouldn't be able to eager load those numbers. So Easily. you're saying, here, let, let me make it a more concrete thing. Yeah. So if I have selected Sony, yep, and now I'm looking at the screen size filters, 
should the 55 inch tell me how many 55 inch TVs there are or how many 55 inch Sony TVs there are? Is that what you're saying? Um, not necessarily because in the case you're describing, there's a page of products and there's a bunch uh-huh. of filters. Mm-hmm. You can, you can filter by Sony. Mm-hmm. And your question is, does the, if I also filter by 55 inch, right? Will will, are the filters cross aware? Are they mm-hmm. aware of their other filters? Right. Is that the desired functionality? Uh, that is basically V2. Right now, we're That's just V2. saying this is how many there are total. But eventually, we're right. going to like allow you to see that. So I guess what what I was saying was if there's a search box mm-hmm. where the user can type anything mm-hmm. and the, the, fil- the counts, the filter counts would have to be aware of based on that query, it would make way more sense to do it on the front end. Because to eager load on the back end, you would be caching these very specific queries, you know? And that's what it is, right? So the the things we're returning aren't actually products. They're uh, locations, or they're like events that happen at a location. Okay. Um, And they're queried by a latitude and longitude, and we return the 500 closest to that latitude and longitude. Gotcha. So So it is the equivalent of a user typing in a search query, yeah. So yeah. you would have to do like the most rock solid caching. You would have to cache and eager load these counts for every latitude and longitude point. Yeah. Yeah. Which is impossible. Yeah. Um, interesting. So, I mean, my gut says if it's not like my initial reaction is do it on the front end and, and don't delay the animation, but, but yeah, add a dash dash is simple Mm -hmm. And then they load after a second, unless the operation is so front end expensive that like your app is just a bummer for people's phones. So that's the thing. It becomes a bummer while it's doing it. Yeah. Um, And that is concerning to me. So part of me wonders, should I like asynchronously batch this job as soon as I get the list of TVs back from the API, mm-hmm. should I fire an async call that like generates like a list of things, a list of manufacturers and mm-hmm. sizes and stuff, and just make a whole new data structure that's just what filters are available, what types are they, and how many things match them, and store mm-hmm. that in some sort of context or something. Mm-hmm. And pull it in where it's needed. Right. Um, and I don't know if that's going to be more expensive or less expensive. But the idea that it's async. I mean, I guess it would be async in the other case, too. So it doesn't really matter. Yeah. That's interesting. I. But part of me wants to say, like, why don't I take this out of this component completely and just make it a prop that's passed in? And if it's not there. For sure. Just render it without it. Yeah. Um, and then like basically tell the code, like, don't stress about when you get this back to me, but whenever you do get this back to me, I'm going to fill it into these spots. Yeah. yeah. For the front end approach, I think that that's the best approach for sure. Yeah. But I'm wondering if, if the performance is a constraint, like if you're going to kill batteries or it's going to feel slow. I really wish that there was a way. Maybe there is. Maybe I don't understand JavaScript enough, but like, I wonder if there's a way to just be like to like deprioritize a certain async call. Oh. You know? And there, be like, this is not important. 
you know <laughs> right, like right. don't give this 100 percent of the cpu i have to believe there is i'm the wrong guy to talk about this but i i read that that react post that dan abramov wrote uh-huh he goes into some crazy stuff i mean there's like in the React core, I think the new React core does some of these crazy deprioritizing stuff. Like, that's super cool. This just madness stuff. Um, there's got to be a way. I I think of things like request animation frame as opposed to like intervals and stuff. Like, I I have to believe that the JavaScript engine at least. Yeah, I have to believe that the JavaScript engine gives you some like deep deep tools for doing this sort of thing yeah or simple somebody listening knows i don't know yeah yeah that would be cool though it would be interesting Um, yeah i have a link to share with our our listeners okay um i was listening to syntax west boss podcast yep um and they mentioned this wonderful website called usehooks.com it's amazing um it's recipes using hooks uh for all sorts of little things so there's like here's one called use dark mode that's just like a recipe using hooks for like enabling dark mode on a component wow um here's uh use lock body scroll to prevent your users from being able to scroll the body of the page while a certain component is loaded so like if you had like a modal that popped up and you didn't want them to go to scroll yeah it's stuff like this um one of the coolest ones i heard about was use click outside um that basically oh nice anytime there's a click it figures out was that click on me yeah and if it was then it fires the on click outside handler um and if it wasn't then it just or the opposite no no if it was on me don't do anything yeah right um but if it wasn't on me do something yeah and so that's like cool for like closing Closing something yeah yeah Yeah, it's just a super cool website full of like cool recipes using react hooks so if anyone from our last crazy episode didn't figure out how react hooks work through our very obtuse confusing explanation you should go (laughs) check out this website because it's very cool that reminds me of uh there's a CSS website out there that's sort of similar. That's like, here are all the little annoying things in CSS. Like there's like, and it's very, it sounds exactly like that, but for like, for CSS, there's like basic, like clear fix and, and nice, other, nice, 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 nice. other, all of those like basic things. And it's not a package. It's not anything like that. What's it's that just website? Snippets. That's just um like all the things developers get wrong about time. And it's just like a list of like common developer mistakes with time. Developers don't understand time or something like it's that. It's something like that, yeah. So, or something, yeah. Or you don't understand time, I don't I don't remember. But yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Or how yeah, I don't I know what you're talking about. But anyway, I anyway. I'll report back next episode on how I ended up solving this problem. Cause cool. I'm probably today or tomorrow or something gonna sit down and figure it out cool um sweet yeah i I love those types of uh problems those uh the the count problem with the querying Mm -hmm. and everything like when when and where to do the work yeah yeah and there's no clear answer there never is Mm -mm. but 
Um, but I, I like I like where I like what you came up with. Um, hmm. I've been uh, so Livewire now. Now everything I write, I TDD. Um, that changed maybe a month awesome. ago. Yeah, I I completely abandoned testing pretty quickly into it because it's just so so. Uh, well, I want to say amorphous. What what does that word mean? Uh, like ever changing. Really sweet. That's one of those like I don't know what the word means. I've just heard it enough times that I'm I, I'm using you did it, it. and you, I did it. I think I did used it. Used a word right. It's so amorphous. Amorphous is that uh-huh. it? Amorphous. Um, yeah. So I couldn't like nail it down with tests, and then I'd just be maintaining these tests. So, and JavaScript testing just sucks so bad. That's um, not true, but yeah, I hear you. I think it is. Come at me, bro. Dom <laughs> testing is bad. Dom testing is bad. True. Right. JavaScript unit testing is just as easier. Amazing. It's just as good as PHP unit or any type of unit testing. See also the episode Does PHP Suck where I talk about how much I love JavaScript testing. Right. But inherently, like, it's the same. You're making a, you're executing code and making assertions. Right. Mm-hmm. The thing, good clarification. The thing that makes JavaScript testing hard is when you're testing DOM changes. DOM changes are bad. DOMs DOM are bad. But the thing is, what do you use JavaScript DOMs. for mostly on the front end? DOM manipulation you can't wait till what i can't wait till we replace doms i think doms are old old bad tech like doms i'm confused by your pluralization document object models okay gotcha okay i think the dom yeah i think the it's time for the dom to die really what what's the alternative i don't know yet like everything's virtual dom like the the bait yeah you get is virtual dom. like yeah but like the i think the whole like if you ever really get into it and you get down to the whole like xml nodes yeah it's i mean you you're there you know yeah i'm it's it's a bad it's bad it's not that bad it's it's not as nice as but it you can get children you can Mm -hmm. get siblings but i feel like the uh maybe this is what it is i want the objects the dom objects to be yeah. like good well-behaved objects that have uh, like nice methods on them and uh like have properties that i mean are they kind of do like they do right i want like, them to act like okay like picture like a view component right yeah like you pass a view component is for all intents and purposes like a dom node sure right um, yeah, like the DOM node has a underscore underscore view or whatever property. Yeah, um, and it and it just gets like if you add attributes to it, those attributes are like just the thing dot the thing, you know. Yep. Yeah. Um. So it'd be nice to be able to sort of access props on DOM nodes. Hmm. It would be so nice to be able to. You can get attribute. You know. I know, but you like, have to type dot get attribute. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's just it feels like yeah okay I if get this you. is an object with properties like why is it not just an object with properties yeah let me think about that it's interesting because like uh hmm in like in the value example like if you if you element you document query selector and input element and then mm-hmm. you you dot get attribute value mm-hmm. if there's no value attribute on the element you'll get blank mm-hmm. if you dot value you'll get the input value no matter what. So if I type hello world into the input element, 
and I didn't specify value equals hello world or whatever, dot value will give me hello world, but dot get attribute value will give me whatever the attribute is, you know? Right. Which is handy. Like there, like yeah. there, there's a distinction there. So it's not as simple as just, you know, showing, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think in my mind, uh, dot value should be dot get value method. Oh, okay. Interesting. Dot value so you just want the all the property. HTML attributes to be available as direct I don't know that that's properties. all that I want. I, I would not <laughs> limit my request to such a small scope. What I would say is like someone who writes ES6 and who like works with component-based JavaScript, go rewrite the DOM. Hmm. You know, yeah. And like I rename mean, all the methods and change the way we access stuff and divorce us from XML because it's like crazy. You know, like there's so much leftover like XML nonsense in HTML. I don't deal with a lot of that. I haven't really come across that myself. I don't know, man. It's been a while, but yeah, I've I mean, been I, there. I you're right that it's it's a API that has been that's you've been like used an API and abused. That time forgot. Over, well, yeah, I mean, it, it, it had to update, and it has to remain um, backwards compatible. So naturally, like PHP's like API, it's disjointed and mm-hmm. verbose and not consistent. But, um, yeah, it is weird. One of the weird... But like it's, when ba- you doc- it's based on JavaScript, right? Okay. That's the thing, right? And so JavaScript's API was like that for a long time, mm-hmm. and now it's good. Now JavaScript, better. very it's good better. API. <laughs> pretty good, uh, better. Pretty good, pretty good API. Um, Is there a simple s- way that you can think of? No, forget it. Go on, keep. Going. And so I, th- I think it's just time for the DOM to get this, the like ES6 treatment. That would be fun. That would be you know? very fun if there was like, if like Babel could handle DOM stuff. If there yeah. was like Babel, but for DOM, so that we just had this really killer because, API to do stuff easy. Because jQuery was bad in a certain way right um but we moved away from jQuery why was it the, bad it wasn't good for like writing applications in because it's all event driven and you just because didn't... the dom was your state management library <laughs> right yeah. Yeah. yeah um but so we moved away to these sort of component-based frameworks right and like now we get to do like serious programming in the front end which is cool and nice but we did lose like our connection to the dom that back in the jQuery yeah. days like i could just like grab the dom and do stuff and like yeah it was really easy because jQuery basically wrote a nice api on top of the bad dom api yeah so when we right. lost jQuery sure. when we lost jQuery we gained a lot um yeah. in like our ability to write good code but we also lost the only good dom api that we ever had yeah um and so now it feels like all right well like let's build a good dom api that like fits inside of these like new modern coding practices that we have you know yeah no i definitely agree um yeah we've we've lost touch with the dom using things like jsx Mm -hmm. and yeah we've totally lost touch with the dom that's a shame um or not i don't know and jQuery, like like you said, like the DOM is the state management library. I think if I had written jQuery and I had used the DOM as a state management library, then I would have been much better off and you could probably still do pretty well. Like Stimulus does that. Stimulus stores all, like it, that's its thing. It's like store the state and data attributes. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, 
but most people didn't do that like you kind of stored state in random global variables and just like listen to clicks and listeners or whatever and wrote handlers for stuff and you got in that like callback listener hell it was just so unstructured but um dom api i agree with you there should be something that we can just pull in that gives us like like better dom um something like when you do like like even in view like sometimes you drop down and now you're in raw dom land yeah usually in the created method or something or like an event.target situation sure yeah if Uh you're handling an event right um and you'll end up with like oh now i have an xml node like shit what 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 does this do (laughs) yeah what abilities do you have xml node yeah i don't i don't know what you're talking about this xml node thing usually i get uh like um element node that's the uh, I'm trying to remember what the context was for this. I think it might have been when I was working on um, building a Markdown editor. Was the time where I like encountered XML nodes so hard, hmm. um, and it was basically like, you know, I'm typing and I'm rendering as though I was typing in this box, but really I'm rendering things parsed through something else. Maybe anyway, it's a... there's like yeah. text nodes. There's different types. Yeah, of text nodes. nodes, element nodes. Yeah. And they're different, and they all have different APIs and different abilities. They do. Um, now, that is somewhat annoying. And the way to check if it's an element node is uh, the way I check in LiveWire is I take the node, and I do node dot, or I, I do um, type of, type of node dot, what is it? Some some function that's only available in element nodes. Mm-hmm. So I say, like, type of, if, if type of and not if equals function yeah yeah right or maybe undefined or something i think i do it not equals function then you know return out of here which is my way of filtering out all text nodes and only yeah. getting element nodes that type of stuff like but you like you get first child there's like first child and then there's first element node child or element child which is nice it's like oh i don't know I, i've been using the dom api a ton <laughs> and yeah and you're so, definitely closer to it than i am yeah and it's uh sometimes it sucks and sometimes it's um it's fine the classless api like there's keep there's improvements you know like mm-hmm. the classless api and you can get like if you wanted to get css stuff like style information from html before that was a total nightmare if you were getting computed styles you know mm-hmm. like the style the like like the style that gets applied to an attribute not the style tag like mm-hmm. that was a nightmare but now we have computed style APIs. I don't know. There's so many fun new APIs that are like really well done. Here's one. Uh, emitting an event, emitting a DOM event in JavaScript. Mm-hmm. I dare you to emit a click event without dot click. So emit like a custom event on an element. It's it's terrible. It's like mm. the kind of thing you Google, you find the Mozilla docs, you copy and paste the thing and you're still like confused and frustrated. I love the Mozilla Docs. I do too. That's probably the greatest single contribution to programming out there. Yeah, that's a good one. I forget, like, I just blur it and forget that it's Mozilla. I just am like, oh, this is JavaScript Docs. Yeah, but it's not. It's, like, not the official doc. Right. Are there official docs? Oh, yeah. Really? They're bad. It's always W3 schools and, and Moz. Well, W3 is, like, the official... No. definer of what is Whoa. javascript okay mind blown <laughs> it's 
Is W3 the official docs? No way. Yeah, for HTML. Well, so the W3, the World Wide Web Consortium. Right. W3C. Right. I thought that was different than W3 Schools. I thought W3 Schools was just... I think W3 Schools is a project of the W3C, which is like the education initiative of the W3C. Hmm. Yeah. I came up on W3 Schools. You? Sorry? Oh, yeah. Well, that and a couple other websites. But yeah, it it was big. Yep. That's what I still remember like, yeah, just learning the basics like LIs and stuff. I got a fun one for you. Mm-hmm. Two fun ones. Here's a fun, a fun one. One. Uh, one of the APIs of JavaScript that I adore is yes. string APIs. String API. Uh-huh. Um, dot match and dot replace. All Baller. about them. And regexes that you don't have to wrap in quotes. They're just uh-huh. like, it's an Baller. actual thing. Awesome. Um, dot replace. This is my new favorite thing. I've used it twice in the past day. Um, so if you're doing string like so you have a string literal in javascript like yes um so the thing i was doing was converting dot notation to a different type of notation mm-hmm. so i'm searching for dots inside of a string if i do uh have the input string like it's daniel dot caleb mm-hmm. and then i do dot replace and i pass in a regex and look for all periods or whatever mm-hmm. um then i can pass in a string and it'll replace all of those periods with the string i passed in right mm-hmm. simple enough super simple but so many times I need more than that, you know, like in my case, I wanted to get all. Can you the... pass a callback function? You can pass a callback function. And the first parameter is the matched string like you'd expect. Uh-huh. The second parameter and so on is all the matched groups is all like any groups you put. They come in as parameters uh-huh. so you can name them super easily by naming uh-huh. your, your callback arguments. And then the last no. one's like the offset it occurs on if you need to do specific like substringing. Yeah. And then the last one's something else. I don't know. And then you just return the string that you want to replace it. Like it's the mm-hmm. missing link for me. For some Beautiful. reason, like this is, it's the missing link. Beautiful. Yeah. It's so nice. So I've been using it I wonder it how much of Ziggy I could replace with that. I, it's, it's sort of a Swiss army knife for me now. It's like, yeah. whoa. Regex well, most just of Ziggy got that is, much better. In most JavaScript. of Ziggy is string dot replace regex this. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, like most of Ziggy. Cool. The hard parts. Yeah. Oh, I should check out Ziggy because you you probably do a lot of like interesting. Maybe not. Forget I said that. Like, do you do you have to parse dot notation yourself, or you wouldn't, uh, right? Yeah, because that would be the the name, the route name. Um. Yeah, the route names are already keyed in dot notation, so it doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, I parse slashes and stuff like that. The bummer I'm coming across is that in Laravel, you can use data get or array uh-huh. get and use dot notation to access deeply nested properties. Mm-hmm. In JavaScript, you can use dot notation as well on objects. That's how you access properties. Mm-hmm. But you can't access and a numeric index, right? You can't, yeah. So you have to convert, like, dot if it's dot and then a numeric key, I have to convert that into the array notation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, and that's when I used that. So that that's a fun little nug. I mean, you're having all the fun problems. Dude, so many. F- Can I tell you one more? Yeah, one more. One more. So, one more. yeah, one more. <laughs> then you have to go to bed. <laughs> Um, so I sourced Dove, Live View, mm-hmm. Phoenix Live View. Cool. 
uh, it's JavaScript side. Cool. Phoenix Live views JavaScript is one file. I kid you not. I don't know if it's processed or bundled or anything. It's just one Whoa. file. It's one That's giant crazy. file with like a handful of classes. Why Way you think that is? less JavaScript than LiveWire. Because, Way less. Uh, because Elixir is more is giving it more of what it expects and so it has to do less custom stuff. One reason, yeah, is that... Or that because it just does less stuff than LiveView does. Both. Or than LiveWire does. Both. It just does less stuff. Mm-hmm. It also... LiveWire... LiveView is so powerful, like, in itself with WebSockets and its Elixir integration. There's so many things that are just impossible, at least mm-hmm. that, to my current eyes, um, that I have to compensate current for eyes with JavaScript are code. watching you. <laughs> yep so anyway but i found this technique Th- these are the kinds of things that you need to read other people's code to learn to learn you know like i would have never thought of this mm-hmm. so in livewire mm-hmm. w- we could just say in Vue.js. i don't know mm-hmm. we'll say livewire <laughs> here it comes mm-hmm. <laughs> in livewire mm-hmm. um you have a component right a livewire component and in it you have wire colon click right to listen for a click just like mm-hmm. in view you have an at click handler when that click right. happens you have to know you have to fire that action or do something on the component right right so what i do when i load the component i tree walk i walk through all the dom nodes and i look for those click handlers and i attach listeners to them that's that's what you think that's the declarative or that's imperative like i'm going through node by node i'm looking for an attribute if i see it i'm attaching an event listener right okay Phoenix Live View does not do that. What do they do? They use bubbling. They use what already exists in the browser. Where if you so they click just attach a click handler to the top element. To window. They, they do window dot add event listener, and they listen to every any event on the window, and then they get the target from the event, which is the source el- the element that started the event, the one you clicked. Mm-hmm. And then they find its closest parent with the, with like the component ID or whatever. So they crawl back up the DOM tree. So they're find crawling up, you're parent. crawling down. Right. And there's so many benefits to crawling up than crawling down. Like when you get into nested components, it gets absolutely... I thought there were no nested components, Caleb Porzio. I'm putting them back in. <laughs> I, I was led to believe that nested components were a thing of the past. They're still gone, but I'm putting it back in. They have to be in there. Yep, I agree. I, I re-listened to the episode the other day. I was in the drive-thru of a Zaxby's. Okay. Um, we don't have those, but I've seen Zaxby's is a very good fried chicken restaurant in the South. Sweet. And uh, I was in the drive-thru awaiting my Zax sauce. And uh, I was listening to the part where you stripped nested components out. Yeah. And I was listening to myself just be like, oh, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. I was like, wait a second. I should have fought him. Like, Not okay. Nested components need to be in this thing. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. They're coming back, but They're you can imagine back. that, like things get really tough when you're, when you've got handlers and stuff. Like Live View, what Live View can't do, is do like I have loading directives where if you click on something, you can. There's these nice little wire loading directives where you can like show a loading spinner or something. Sure. Stuff like that is impossible, yep. or at least I can't see how to do it in that paradigm. Yeah. Anyway, there's so I would love. I would love love. We should have a completely separate podcast just for live wire problems and solutions. And I think this is that podcast. This is the podcast. We just need to decide on a given episode. We're just going to talk about problems and solutions today. 
Yeah. Maybe next week. Next Many. week we'll just go in. I mean, it it could be hours long, <laughs> but we should. That would be fun just to do. Just do a couple episodes. Just a couple episodes. Buying them out. That's right. All right. Decole. Good talk. Good talk, buddy. Let's knock something over on my desk. Whatever. Whatever. Good podcast. All right. Good podcast. TTFN. Burr, burr, burr.